This is KMTT and the weekly Parshat HaShavua Shir. This year, Tavshin Ayin, it will be given by Harav Chanoch Waxman. This week, Parshat Ve'et Hanan, I would like to discuss an interesting phenomenon, interesting occurrence, uh, found in Sefer Dvarim um, a few times, which actually occurs twice in Parshat Ve'et Hanan in our parsha. Um, to set the scene, or to begin to phrase the issue I would like to discuss, I would like to pick it up in Perak Dalid Pasuk Hay, here in Parshat Ve'et Hanan, where um, Moshe uh, says the following to Bnei Yisrael. Behold, see, I teach you, I am going to teach you hukum umishpatim, laws and statutes, kashat sivani Hashem elokai, as the Lord my God has commanded. La'asot ken bekerev ha'aretz, to do so, to do them, to do these laws in the land, asharatim ba'im shama l'rishta, that you are coming to inherit. And Moshe continues on, parakdal pasik vav, ushmartem asitem, and you should uh, guard them, watch them, and keep them, and do them. Why? Because they are your wisdom and your understanding in front of the eyes of the nations. And Moshe continues on here. And in general, we have here what is a relatively standard exhortation, a relatively standard speech by Moshe for Sefer Dvarim, or at the very least for the first part of Sefer Dvarim, in which Moshe focuses uh, upon teaching mitzvot, talks about teaching mitzvot, and talks about the necessity of Bnei Yisrael keeping mitzvot and doing the mitzvot when they come into the land. And this relatively uh, long address, or at least this part of Moshe's long address, runs um, all the way from Peregdalid Pasuk He actually had begun earlier, at the very least to Peregdalid Pasuk Kafbet, Kaf Gimel, uh, or actually Kaf Dalid or thereabouts, a relatively long speech. Now, besides um, the elements uh, of uh, the centrality of the mitzvot and keeping the mitzvot in the land, this kind of almost standard model of exhortation by Moshe contains other elements as well. Uh, a second element, um, as we move along in the speech, if we jump ahead to Perak Dalit, um, Pasuk Tet, we read the following. Rak hishamer lecha, uh, be very careful. Ushmar nafshachan, guard yourselves, ma'od, very much. Pen tishkach et advarim asheru einecha, lest you forget the matters. Uh, here, advarim does not necessarily mean words, but matters, the, th- the matters that your eyes saw. Upen yasuru milvavcha, and lest it be removed from your heart, all of the days of your life, um, and teach them to your children and your children's children. I.e., don't forget, remember. And what are B'nai Yisrael supposed to remember? Pasuk Yud, Yom Asher Hashem the day that you stood in front of God at Chorev, when God said to me, gather up the people and I will make them hear my words, Dvarai here meaning words. And the point being here, as the speech goes on, as part of this exhortation to keep uh, the mitzvot in the land, there's also a memory component, a, a need to remember the past, to remember Har Sinai. And this, of course, is not so surprising, or not surprising at all. Uh, as part of the build-up to repeating or teaching the Aseret HaDibrot, Moshe recounts or talks about mem- remembering the experience at Har Sinai. Or for that matter, just as part of a general discussion about keeping mitzvot and doing mitzvot in the land and covenant, 
Moshe reminds the people or raises the issue of that special covenantal moment, the Britit Harsinai. So if element one is here, the exhortation to keep mitzvot, element two is the memory of Sinai. Now another element which often uh, happens or occurs in the kind of standard exhortation of Moshe found in the first part of Sefer Devarim is the prohibition of Avodah Zarah. And if we jump down to Paragdalit Pasek Tetva, we read the following. And you should guard your souls or guard yourselves very carefully. If you did not see any picture, any images on the day that God spoke to you at Chorev at Harsinai, mitocha ish from the fire. Pen tashchiton, lest you become corrupted. Vasitem lechem pesel tunat kol samel. You will make a, a picture or a statue or an image. Tabnit zachar, the image of a male, on a cave or a female. Tabnit kol behema, etc., etc., etc. And Moshe continues on uh, in this third part of his speech, not so much to uh, emphasize the need to keep mitzvot and not so much to talk about the memory of Sinai, but to emphasize the prohibition of Avodah Zarah, which is the third element of this kind of standard speech. Now, moving along, we then come to somewhat of a surprise, and the surprise is what I would like to discuss in the Shi'ur uh, today. Um, in Pasuk Kaf Aleph, after uh, the completion of the warning against Avodah Zarah um, in Psukim Yud Tet and Kaf, Moshe says as follows in Peregdal Pasuk Kaf Aleph, V'Hashem hit anaf bi al divrechem. And God became angry at me, al divrechem, here, divrechem, matters, words, etc., key term in the speech. And he swore, that I would not cross the Jordan River, and that I would not come into the good land. Uh, that God is giving you as inheritance. I'm going to die in this land. And any over at Ardain, I am not going to cross Vatem over him, and you are going to cross Virishtem at the Aratzatovahazot, and you're going to inherit uh, the good land. The word Ever uh, or Over uh, three times in these Psukim, and the idea is that Moshe is not going to cross into the Jordan, uh, over the Jordan into the land as opposed to the people. And why? Well, Moshe says so. God became angry at me because of your words, because of you. Here, what, what does Moshe do? In this next part of the speech, Moshe assigns the blame for his not entering the land to the people. It's because of something they did. Uh, Moshe says to the people. And God became angry at Moshe because of the people. And this is why Moshe is not entering the land. Now, this is very strange, and this brings us to the dual question I would like to uh, discuss in uh, the Shi'or. Um, and this is rather jarring, because we, of course, all really know the reason why Moshe does not enter uh, the land of Israel. If we go back to the moment, uh, for a moment, to Bamidbar Perik Kaf, uh, the story of Meimariva, and, of course, Moshe is told to take the stick and to speak to the rock and to give water to the people. And in Parakaf Pasik Tet of Sefer Bamidbar, we're told, Moshe took the stick from in front of the Lord as he was commanded. He gathers the people. And then in Parakaf Pasik Yid Aleph, we read, Moshe lifted up his hand, and he smote the stick with his mate. With his, uh, he smote the rock with his stick. Pamayim twice. And a lot of water came out, and the people drank. And of course, and then immediately afterwards, 
in Parakaf Pasuk Yudbet, God said to Moshe and Aaron, Ya'an lo hemantem bi lahaktisheni le'enei b'nei Yisrael, because you did not have faith in me, or keep faith with me, lahaktisheni le'enei b'nei Yisrael, to sanctify me in the eyes of b'nei Yisrael, l'chein, therefore, lo taviyu etakalazel arzashanatati lahem, you will not come into the land, you will not bring the nation, the community, into the land that I am giving them. So we've always thought that Moshe does not enter the land of Israel because he hits the rock as opposed to speaking to the rock. And it is his own fault. God assigns the blame to Moshe in Parakaf Pasigibet and says, Yan Lohemant Embit, because you, the two of you, Moshe and Aaron, didn't have faith in me. Lachain, therefore. So the blame should be assigned to Moshe. It's because Moshe um, hit the rock as opposed to speaking to the rock or whatever exactly the nature of the sin is of the story of Mem Riva but as opposed to the responsibility resting with Moshe here in Parakidalit Pasuk Kaf Aleph Vashem etanach bi alterichem vayishava levilti avriyat yardin levilti bol arts God became angry at me because of your matters or because of your words vayishava and he swore here, Moshe assigns the blame or the responsibility to the people rather than to himself. And the obvious question, in what sense is this justified? How can Moshe do this? How can he assign the blame to the people as opposed to himself? And this is one question uh, I would like to discuss in this year. Now, a second question I would like to discuss in this year is even if somehow we can justify Moshe's apportionment or placing of uh, the blame or the responsibility upon the people. Uh, the question really is, what, what's the purpose or what's the function in the context here of Sefer Dvarim uh, for doing so? If we kind of go back to the speech of Moshe that we have been considering here in Parashat Ve'etchanan in Parak Dalet, Pasuk Hay through Kaf Dalet, it is a general type of speech, a kind of standard model and exhortation about keeping the mitzvot, which involves celebrating the quality of the mitzvot, it involves remembering Har Sinai, it involves the prohibition of Avodah and suddenly, out of the blue, smack, bang, stuck in the middle of the speech here in Perak Dalet, Pasuk Kaf Aleph, Hashem there's apportionment of blame, this placing of responsibility upon the people for Moshe is not entering into the land, and the question is, what is the function here in the context of this speech and of Sefer Dvarim in general. And those are the two questions I'd like to discuss, the justification and the function and context of the placement of responsibility for Moshe's not entering the land upon the people. Now, as hinted in the beginning of the Shi'ur, uh, the question here, or these questions, or this phenomenon of Moshe uh, blaming, placing responsibility upon the people, is not an isolated phenomenon. In point of fact, it occurs two other times explicitly uh, in Sefer Dvarim, in the beginning part of Sefer Dvarim, one other time in Sefer in Parashat Ve'etchanan, and one other time, uh, for a third time, back in Parashat Dvarim. Moving backwards in the text, let us uh, go back to the beginning of Parashat Ve'etchanan, um, to Parak uh, Gimel, uh, Pasuk Kaf Gimel, where we read as follows the opening verse of Pashat Ve'etchanan. Moshe says to Am Yisrael, Moshe says to the people, Ve'etchanan el Hashem ve'et ha'hi lemor. 
And Moshe says, I begged, I prayed to God, be'etahi, at that time, uh, saying, Hashem Elokim matahachi lotelaharot et avdecha et gadlacha bet yadcha chazaka. You have begun to show your servant, i.e. myself, Moshe, your greatness, your strong hand. There is no other who is capable of your great actions. And as Ramban and others point out, Ba'et Hahi, that time, is a reference to that which had been recounted immediately previously at the end of Parshat Torim, the beginnings of the conquering of the land, uh, the conquering of Avery Ardain by B'nai Yisrael and the defeat of Sichon and Og, and the partial apportionment of the land to the two and a half tribes, to Ruven, Gad, Bechatzi, Shevet, Menashe. So Moshe says, we are already in process here. Things are, have already begun. I am here in the 40th year, and the conquering has begun, and the Nachalah, the inheritance of the land, has begun. And Moshe says, please, let me continue on. In Paragimel, Pasek Kafhe, Moshe's Tefillah continues on. Ebra na Please let me cross over, and I will see the good land that is on the other side of the Jordan. Hahar HaTov the good mountain, Balevanon, and Lebanon. What was God's response that Moshe reports to Am Yisrael? And God became very angry uh, at me because of you. And he did not listen to me. And God said to me, uh, It's too much for you. Don't speak to me again regarding this matter. There's an interesting play on words here where Moshe asks, Please let me cross over. And God's uh, response, or the response that Moshe receives, is Vayitaber Hashem B. God became very angry at me. So the Ebra, the request for crossing, Ayin Bet Resh, is met with great burning anger. Aber, Ayin Bet Resh, Vayitaber Hashem B. Lema'anchem. Um, and God forbids Moshe from praying uh, for this matter again. And why? The key word in Pasuk Kavav, Lema'anchem, because of you. So again, here Moshe blames the people for the fact that he does not enter into the land. Perhaps his tefillah in the 40th year could have been successful and um, he would have entered the land. But it's Laman Chabit somehow because of the sake of Am Yisrael. Um, it's similar to the Hitanaf bi al divrechem, Laman al divrechem. It's because of you that I do not enter the land. And here again, Moshe blames or places the responsibility upon Am Yisrael. And the question is, one, is it justified? Two, what's the function in context? Now, in point of fact, moving further back in Sefer Tvarim, uh, there is a third time, or let us rephrase this, if we've done three and two, moving backwards, there was a first time where Moshe had already uh, blamed uh, the people for his not entering in the land. We revert back to the beginning of Sefer Tvarim, to Parshat Tvarim, to Perak, Aleph, Pasuk Lamed Dalet, where Moshe recounts the story of the spies, the Chet Maraglim, and God's Shvu'ah, God's oath, in the aftermath of the Chet Maraglim. Perak Aleph, Pasuk Lamed Dalet, says as follows. And God heard the sound of your words. Again, the interesting term, Dvarim, Divrechem, which is a recurrent pattern here in the beginning of Sefer Dvarim. And God became angry, and he swore, saying, 
אם יראה באנשים האלה הדור הרעה הזה את הארץ הטובה שנשבעתי לתת לעבודיכם, if one man from this evil generation will see the good land that I have sworn to give to the forefathers, meaning it will not happen. God says, I swear it will not happen. Pasuk Lamed Vav. Zulati Kalei Ben Yifuna Hu Yir Enna. Only Kalei Ben Yifuna will see it. Velo Etin Et Aretz Asher Derach Abat Ulevanav. And to him I will give the land which he trod upon into his children. Pasuk Lamed Zayin. Yana Hashem Yileach Re Hashem. And then, that's the end of Lamed Vav. And now here in Lamed Zayin, the key Pasuk. Gam Bi Hitanaf Hashem Biglalchem Lemor. In talking about the Chet Hamraglim, 38 years previously, Moshe says, God became angry at me because of you, like al or here, because of you. Lemor saying, so to you, you will not come into the land. Yeshua stands in front of you, he will enter the land. Him you should strengthen because he will help B'nai Yisrael inherit the land. Again here, in Perak Aleph, Pasuk Lamed Zayin, Gam Bihetanaf Hashem Biglachem, Moshe again blames the people for his not entering the land. And the question again is twofold. One, is it justified? And two, what is the context of the function, the context here um, of Sefer Dvarim? Um, now, um, let us turn to, in fact, what I think might on some level be the relatively easier question uh, to answer. Um, the one uh, on which there's a relatively uh, wide consensus amongst the Mepharshim about how to deal with, and one which on some plane is already dealt with by Sefer Tihilim, uh, Mizmar Kuf Vav. Um, let us, very briefly, take a look at a citation from Tihilim Perak Kuf Vav, uh, Pardon me, Perak Kufvav, Kufvav Lamed Bet, which um, cited by Rashi, Ramban, and others, which very much, I believe, helps um, deal with, or at least mitigate the first question, the question of justification. Is Moshe justified in blaming Am Yisrael for his not entering the land? Mizmar Kufvav in Tilim is a a lengthy uh, historical mizmor, which uh, recounts much of the history of Am Yisrael going all the way back to the uh, days in Egypt. And in Perkuvav, Pasuk Lamed Bet, uh, we read the following, Ve'aktifu al Memriva, and they made him angry at Memriva, Ve'yera l'Moshe Bavuram, and it was bad to Moshe Bavuram because of them. Ki himru et um, they uh, they uh, rebelled against his spirit um, and he expressed with his words or with his lips now there are two very interesting uh, points found here at the end uh, in these Pesukim and the Mizmora in Kufav Lamed Bet through Lamed Gimel and it's interesting just to mention kind of parenthetically the second um, they rebelled against his spirit and he um, expressed or spoke with his mouth. Uh, and going back to Bamidbar um, Parakaf, uh, we often think of the sin of Moshe as hitting the rock as opposed to speaking to the rock. But there's of course another strand of thought in the Parshanim, and that strand of thought seems to be adopted here already by um, Tilim Mizmar Kuvav. And that is that Moshe's 
real problem, or the real sin of Moshe, is that he spoke, or he spoke out of turn. Um, going back to the story of Memri Vav, Perakaf, um, Pasuk Yud says, Vaikil Moshe Varun at the Kalopne Asel Vayemer Lehem, Shimunah Morim. Uh, the Mizmor roots the core or the, the, the essence of Moshe's sin in his verbal expression of Shimunah HaMorim. I mean, that's just uh, parenthetically one interesting point about the Mizmor. But what's more interesting is that um, the Mizmor clearly blames the people. And it was uh, bad for Moshe because of them. Now, why is it bad for Moshe? Why does what happened to Moshe at Memriva, why is that the people's fault, or how does that, what does that have to do with the people? Well, on some level, that might have to do with something that the Chumash already signals uh, to us, both in the beginning and ending of the story of uh, Memriva. If we go here to the end of the story, um, the way the story closes out in Bamidvar Parakaf Pasik Yud Gimel, it says as follows Hema Memriva, these are the waters of strife. Asher Ravu B'nei Yisrael at Hashem, that B'nei Yisrael strove with God, Ve'kadesh B'am, he was sanctified amongst them. So uh, the place is called Meim Riva because the people rebelled or strove with God and complained in the first place. And of course, how on some level uh, does the uh, story uh, begin? Um, if we take a look in Parakath uh, Pasuk Bet, V'lo hayamayim le'edah, there was no water for the community, Ve'yikalu al-Moshev al-Aron, and the people gathered against Moshe Aaron and Pasuk Gimel Vayera Va'amim Moshe, and the people strove with Moshe. So it's the people's complaining that opens and closes the story Vivayarev that's enshrined in the name of Meim Riva that causes everything to happen that happens. And if the people had not complained, if the people had not striven with Moshe, then Moshe never would have been commanded to take the stick and to speak to the rock. And Moshe would have never spoken out of turn to the people and say, Shimun Nehamorim. And Moshe never would have hit the rock as opposed to speaking to the rock. And Moshe never would have failed to sanctify um, the name of God. And Moshe never would have been punished. So the people play a causal role in the sin of uh, Moshe at Memriva. If not for their rebellion, none of this ever would have happened. And this the Mizmar captures in saying, It was bad for Moshe because of them. Um, or if we go to Rashi, in Zerim Paragimel, Pasek Kafav, just as an example, on the words, L'ma'anchem, uh, because of you, found at the very beginning of Parshat Betchanan, Rashi comments, Bishvilchem, because of you, Atem garamtem li, you caused me. Um, when Moshe speaks to the people, he says, you played a causal role. It's because of your sins in the desert and your particular complaining at Memriva that this happened to me. And therefore we can say that on the logical plane or the historical plane, Moshe is justified in placing the blame on the people because they began the process which led to Moshe's error. Or Moshe is justified to some extent um, in apportioning part of the blame to the people. So at the very least, we can deal with the first problem by saying it's quasi-justified, or at least the problem is mitigated that the people play a causal role, and it is at the very least partially their fault, and therefore there is a certain truth in what Moshe is saying, and the problem can be handled in this fashion, as I pointed out. This is the approach of Tihilim, and the approach of Rashi, Ramban, others, etc. Now, um, however, while perhaps we can say face here. We can explain how Moshe tells the truth. We can justify uh, Moshe's claim here in Sefer Dvarim, his repeated over and over threefold claim 
and placing of the blame upon the people. Still, I think this still leaves a lot of pressure uh, or, or requires us to deal in a deeper sense with the latter question. What's the point of doing so? Maybe it's accurate or quasi-accurate or true uh, or justified. But why do it? What's the point? Why does Moshe do it over and over? What's its functional role here in uh, Sefer Dvarim? And I would like to point out a few different possibilities. One, which is uh, a kind of combination uh, of a few pieces of Torah Ramban, um, something that uh, Ramban says in a few different places. Uh, And the other, uh, which I think uh, has something to do with the relationship between um, Moshe and Am Yisrael, um, and one which kind of provides some interesting insight into uh, the ongoing 40-year relationship between uh, Moshe and the Jewish people. Let us begin with um, Torah Ramban. And um, reversing the order of the way we went before in the text, I'd like to begin with the first occurrence of the phenomenon, found here in Dvarim, Perak Aleph, Pasuk uh, Lamed Dalid, um, returning to there, where Moshe, in recounting uh, the story of the spies, uh, at the beginning of Prashat Dvarim, mentions God's oath that uh, none of the first generation, the generation who left Egypt, would enter into the land. And Perak Aleph, Pasuk Lamed Dalid, says as follows, Ve'ishma Hashem et kol divrechem ve'itzof ve'ishavah and he became angry and he swore, No one will see the land. And then none of this generation will see the land because of their sins. Oh, there's an exception. Kalev, the spy who did not sin and attempted to move ahead and have Benazel enter the land, he, of course, will survive and move on to the next generation and enter the land. Then in Pasuk Lamed Zayin, Gam bihetanaf Hashem biglachem, and also God became angry at me because of you. Lemar Gam matalo tavosham, you won't come there. Pasuk Lamed Chet, Yeshua binun haomeid lefanecha hu yavoshama. Yeshua binun, you won't enter the land, Moshe, but Yeshua will enter the land. Oto chazek, strengthen him. Ki huyan kilena et Yisrael. Pasuk Lamed Tet, betapchem hashamartim levaziyeh uvenechem hashaladu ayom tovara. And the children, of course, you were concerned they would become for spoil. They will enter the land. So if we look at the psukim here, um, what's going on is Moshe kind of apportions things out. Um, the 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 entire generation will not enter into the land uh, except for Kalev and Yeshua. And that's on side A, the ones side, those who do not enter the land, the, the prior generation. And then there's side B, uh, that's, pardon me, that the entire generation uh, that's on side A, uh, all the adults, except for Kalev and Yeshua, that are on uh, side B, they will enter into the land. And then there's the Taf, the children, the next generation, they'll grow up, and they're on side B as well, uh, they're going to enter the land. Well, the question is, uh, where is Moshe? And the answer that Moshe gives here in Perak Aleph, Pasuk Lamed Zayin, Gam Hashem Chem Lemor Gam Tavosham, so too you will not enter there, is that Moshe is on side A. Moshe is with the prior generation, and he will not enter into the land. Now Ramban um, captures uh, this idea in a kind of uh, pithy way um, in, on, in his comment on Perak Aleph Pasuk Lamed Zayin he says Ki yachad 
Onesh kol hanimnaim avor el haaretz. Moshe wanted to mention together all of those who will not be entering into the land, and Rabban continues on, as opposed to Yoshua Kalev in the next generation. Uh, Moshe here, as part of the history lesson of Sefer Torah, as part of the transition story that's happening here at Sefer Torah. Here at this point, B'nai Israel stand on the 40th year, Avrei Ardain, um, they're about to enter into the land, and Moshe speaks to the people to set the context, to place them in place, to explain what's happening. And as part of this general theme of history and transition, Moshe talks about who's not entering um, and who is entering. And therefore, Moshe mentions here the fact that he's not going to be entering into the land. Um, to put this together, um, why is it that Moshe mentions over and over here at the beginning of Sefer Torah that he's not going to be entering into the land um, because of what happened between himself and the people, etc. And the answer is that Ramban hints at here, it's part of the general transition logic of Sefer Torah. It's part of the, the kind of necessity um, to talk about what's going on, what has happened and what is happening. And therefore, as part of this general transition theme, Moshe mentions it over and over. Um, now, in point of fact, this is only part of uh, Ramban's connection up to uh, the theme of this part of Sefer Torah that he points out in his commentary. Um, and there's, a, there's another point he makes uh, as well, which is worthwhile to place in context by thinking about the structure of the first part of Sefer Torah. <coughs> uh, we go back for the moment to Perak Aleph, uh, Pasuk Aleph, um, it says uh, as follows: Ela hadvarim asher diber Moshe el kol Yisrael be'evrei Adin b'mibar ba'ava mosuf ben Paran. These are the words or the matters. That is the way we normally translate Ela hadvarim efrak aleph pasuk aleph. But if we go on a little bit further in the introductory um, verse here. Um, there's a kind of different sense that the word Dvarim takes on. Um, in these introductory psukim at the beginning of Prashat Dvarim, or Sefer Dvarim, we come to Perak Aleph, Pasuk Hey, we read as follows. Um, Moav, uh, on the other side of the Jordan River, in the land of Moav, Ho'il Moshe bi'er Torah hazot lemor, Moshe explained this Torah. So we have here Dvarim, which opens the introduction, and the word Torah, which closes the introduction. And Rabban points out that um, Dvarim and Torah are synonyms. The word Dvarim in Sefer Dvarim is a reference to Dibur, speech of God, mitzvot, commands, Torah. And the introduction here refers to uh, Dvarim, Torah, mitzvot, commands, and that's what we are expect- expecting uh, Sefer Dvarim uh, to to be about, uh, and that's what the speech of Moshe is supposed to be about. Now, if we jump further to uh, Parshat Ve'etchanan, um, we come uh, to Perak Dalid, uh, Pasuk Mem Dalid, 
And we read there the following Pasuk Vazot Tatorah Shasa Moshe Lefinei Bnei Yisrael. And this is the Torah that Moshe placed in front of Bnei Yisrael. Elahe Edot Vachukim Vamishpatim. There are Edot Chukim Vamishpatim. And then again in Parakei Pasuk Aleph, Shema Yisrael Achukim Vamishpatim. And finally in Parakei Pasuk Vav, Anochi Hashem Elokecha Shehotetich Amer Tzimtzam Yibet Avinim V'yaser Tadibrot. And afterwards in Parakei Pasuk Yichir Et Advarim Ha'ela Dibar Hashem Al Kol Kahalchem. Uh, all of these dvarim God spoke. Um, so where are the dvarim? The dvarim are found in Parak Hay. Moshe only begins to ter- teach mitzvot and Torah per se in Parak Hay with the recitation of the Aseret Well, what is everything that comes in between from Parak Aleph, Pasak Hay, all the way through Parak Hay? What, what is it? Well, there's some history but as Ramban and others and Chazal all point out, there's a lot of tochacha. There is moral reproof of B'nai Yisrael. Uh, there's discussion of what went wrong uh, in the past. And the point of discussing what went wrong in the past is to give reproof to B'nai Yisrael to make sure they do not sin in the future. And the most powerful reproof that Moshe can give to B'nai Yisrael is this statement that why am I not entering the land? I'm not entering the land because of you. And when Moshe says it once in the context of the Meraglim, and a second time at the beginning of Etchanan in the context of um, his, uh, rest, his recounting of his tefillah to enter the land, and then he says it a third time as part of his standard speech in Paragdalad of Etchanan about the fact that I'm not entering the land because of you. And it's all because of the sins of B'nai Israel. That is supposed to create a powerful consciousness in the minds of B'nai Israel. Look what we have lost because we have sinned. And it's part of Moshe's attempt to reprove, criticize, and simultaneously reinforce B'nai Israel so that they should not sin again. So what Tarat Ramban teaches us is that the repeated mention by Moshe of the fact that B'nai Israel, that, 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 uh, Moshe is not entering because of B'nai Israel. is part of the general themes of the first part of Sefer Durham. One, the idea of transition. And two, the idea of reproof of Tochacha. And it is part of Moshe's goal here at the beginning of the Sefer. Um, this is one approach. And I think it's basically correct. But what I would like to do is to try to add another element uh, one which might be viewed as contradicting the Torah Ramban I mentioned, um, but in, sense, in a certain sense can be viewed as complementing it uh, as well. And to do so, I would like to go back to examine carefully the very beginning of Parshat Ve'et Hanan, um, and the language of the text there, and perhaps the mood of Moshe here at the beginning of Dvarim, uh, beginning of Parshat Ve'et Hanan. Per Gimel, Pasek Kaf Gimel says as follows, And I, I begged, I begged for mercy, I pleaded for mercy. You have begun to show your servant your great hand. Let me continue on. Ebrana, there's the etchanan, the, the pleading. Ebrana, please let me pass. And see the good land. We really can't miss the pathos in Moshe's tone, the pleading quality. This is his heartfelt desire, the pleading, the na. And what did he ask for? La'avor, to cross. But what's that met with? God became very angry. 
the Ebrana is cancelled by the Eber, the strong anger of God, which is because of B'nai Yisrael, V'lo Shama Elai, and God did not listen to me. Moshe says here that his most heartfelt desire was blocked because of B'nai Yisrael. God is furious at him for even asking because of B'nai Yisrael. And there's something emotional here. There's some sense of something deep here. There's something that seems to go far beyond the mere notions of transition or the desire for the people to understand they have sinned, to take responsibility and not to sin in the future. There's something for lack of a better term, something personal, something existential between Moshe and B'nai Yisrael here. His passions, his desires have been blocked because of B'nai Yisrael. Now, this theme, uh, what might be thought of as kind of uh, almost the resentment theme, um, takes on further steam later on in Sefer Durim, and I think our reading of Moshe's recurring placing of blame upon B'nai Yisrael for not entering the land should be informed by something that is found later on in Sefer Durim. What I have in mind is Durim Perak Tet Pasuk uh, Kaf. Uh, in Durim Perak Tet, Moshe recounts the story of Cheta Ega. Um, and um, in Durim Perak Tet, in Parashat Ekev, uh, it says as follows in Tet Kaf, Aaron Hitanaf Hashem Ma'od Lashmido. And God became very angry at Aaron at the time to destroy him. And I pleaded or prayed for Aaron at that time. And then Moshe goes on to recount that he ground up the eagle and destroyed it. And then suddenly Moshe jumps from the eagle to other places in the history of Am Yisrael. In Zvarim Tet Pasukatet we read as follows. You made God angry. And when God sent you from Kadesh Barnea, go up and inherit the land. You rebelled against God. Moshe segues from the eagle to a veritable laundry list of the sins of the places where B'nai Yisrael have sinned. Tavera and Masa and Kivota Ta'ava and the Miraglim. And they rebelled. And then Moshe culminates with the following statement in Tet Kavdalad. You've been rebellious against God from the day I met you. And then Moshe says in Pasuk Kafei, And I fell in front of God the 40 days and the 40 nights that I fell. Because God said he would destroy you. And I prayed to God. If we sum it up, what is Moshe's perspective on his experience of the 40 years? For 40 years, B'nai Yisrael have been rebelling. And there's a list. There was the Egel, and Tavera, and Masa, and Kivota Ta'ava, and Kadesh Banea. And the entire time, what has Moshe done? From Moshe's perspective, and I prayed the 40 days, and I prayed the 40 days, and I prayed the 40 days, and the 40 nights. Now, of course, going back to Shemot and Bamibar, Moshe only prayed 40 days and 40 nights once at the Chayda Egel, or maybe twice at the Chayda Egel. But from Moshe's perspective, the entire 40 years is rebellion of B'nai Yisrael, and 40 days and 40 nights of praying over and over and over, perhaps 40 times throughout the 40 years. And this is Moshe's perspective. While the people were disloyal and rebellious, Moshe was loyal and re- Moshe was loyal to the people, and he prayed for them over and over and over. On some plane, here, at the end of his life, Moshe is, of course, filled with with love for B'nai Yisrael. And Moshe is concerned for the proper transition uh, to the land. And Moshe is concerned that the people should keep the mitzvot. And Moshe um, is concerned that the people should 
not sin again. He wants to give them tochacha. But in addition, on some level, yesh belibo. There is something on some level in Moshe's heart, uh, a difficulty vis-a-vis the people. And I think that also explains on some plane why it comes out over and over again in the speech of Moshe, the fact that on some level, it's because of them. Uh, from Moshe's perspective, their recurring sins and their complaints over time uh, that Moshe does not enter the land. And this too helps explain why this phenomenon occurs in Sefer Tvarim. There are some other uh, explanations as well, but we are out of time.